0: Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. This is The Joys of Teaching Literature. Uh, If you want to know more about me, I offer online professional development for high school English teachers. Uh, My website's theteachersworkshop.com. I actually just came out with a book I published myself um, on Amazon. Um, It's mostly these topics that I'm going over now. Uh, but It's over 50 essays. I thought it would be nice to put it all in one place and as I was looking over my blogs, I thought to myself, this needs organization. <laughs> you know, if anybody's just reading these, it's really, really random topics. So I decided to kind of put them in a particular order that made sense and organize it. Um, it's got six different parts. Um, it's called Teaching the Magic of Literature, Using Imagination to Shape the Future. And I also you know, I wanted to try to find a way of making sense of the main obje- my main objective as a teacher. Um, and that is, you know, and I think about this a lot. This is kind of how we start the year is thinking about magic in the context of you know, what can what can we produce with our imaginations? Like what 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 is the world of fiction? What, what can it do for us? I think it, just the story itself, the characters, uh, learning about how someone understands the events of their own life and fictionalizes it and makes sense of it through fiction. Nobody wants to write up. I mean, I guess you know. Obviously, people want to write about their own life, but to really write about it uh, and to really understand the, the people in our lives, um, I think requires fiction. Uh, and I think that when you create a fictional world, it is it is the you know you you are obviously really working your imagination as hard as you can to create that imaginary world. And I think that that world is the foundation of that world is reality but the objective of it is the future. Right? We want to think about how we behave and how we think and what world we want to live in. Not necessarily the world that we do live in but I think about that with Schitt's Creek actually. It's a great a series on Netflix. Uh, and that's what they kind of spoke to and after after the show was over. We watched the, the commentary from, from the writer and some of the actors and actresses and that's kind of what they kept talking about. It's like, wouldn't it be nice if this place existed? Maybe it does. Um, maybe this is reality. And you know maybe there are places that, that could be this way. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's the point. When you create a story, you take little slices of, how, of people that you know and you put them together, and you create a world that, that could be. And you see, they show people the potential of that world so i mean that's not the only thing it does but that's that's kind of what i wanted the focus to be and i wanted the focus of the book to be about uh, making like everything that we we deal with is lit- language and literature literature is just really well written language right and so and, and and where it's crafted and organized and structured in a really pleasing way where it has a literary approach where there's metaphors and figurative language similes symbols motifs right right where there's Structure to it, and there's that 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 imaginary figurative language makes sense of makes perfect sense uh, when you're trying to understand the details of a story and the events of a story. They help us understand, right? Reality we get taken away from reality in order to understand it better when we encounter a metaphor. So, and I wanted to, to to think. I was thinking in in a lot of these things that I talk about and write about, you know, I wanted it to be about how we can, you know, I guess make meaning, personal meaning, but also, I hate to use the word political, especially right now, but, but, but meaning that's beyond personal, right? meaning that goes and, you know, something that you can apply to large groups of people and the, the world outside of yourself, the society outside of yourself, the country outside of yourself. And when we try to make sense of that world, we're we're always using language to make sense of it. We use images too, and I've been thinking about that a lot as well. I actually might write about that next, uh, because I think what happened at the Capitol was such an image-heavy reality, right? Whether it be you know the people holding their phones, constantly taking selfies and videotaping the whole thing, uh, but also the reality that. Got, that got the people there to begin with is, is our phones are, are image heavy. And where we get our information now is image heavy. And so there's this kind of world that's emerged. Not, you know, it's, it's been emerging for a while since the invention of, really since people were painting painting pictures on caves. But, uh, but now it's it's become this way that we get our information and so you know, I've been thinking a lot about that, about how we need to, as language arts teachers, we also need to think about the image and the power of the image and, and social media and web pages and just, you know, when we determine, like when we teach argument, when we teach persuasion, you know, it is about curating our resources and, and making sense of them and feel like when I was in school, we, it was a much different process um, because now information is just all, it's all in the web. And so navigating the web and making sense of how facts are presented to us because everything we do is writing. And so facts are uh, right there in the in the word, just in the words. Um, so anyway, I just think, I'm, I'm I'm digressing, but this is related to my topic. The topic for today is what makes a super teacher? Anyway, you can get that, if you're interested, you can get that book on, on Amazon. It's called Teaching the Magic of Literature. So anyway, the, this topic is what makes a super teacher. It might be a bad time to answer that question or try to answer that question because I don't feel like a super teacher. And I would love to, to talk to the person who feels uh, like a and I use the word super teacher like we use the word superhero because that's really what teachers are right now, are <laughs> rock star superheroes. If you could combine a superhero and a rock star together into one, that's what teachers would be right now because they're trying to do what they'd normally do but from behind a screen or in the case of hybrid learning with a mask on from behind a screen. <laughs> it was just a double challenge. Um, and I just, man, I'm like, just having a smile on your face goes, to, it does so much for a classroom and it's just driving me crazy that people can't see that I'm smiling. But anyway, um, so that's what I've, I, I guess like that's kind of why I've been thinking about this, right? What is it that makes a, a, a teacher, like a great teacher? Because I guess I've been trying to channel that as much as I can. <laughs> Uh, because I've, I feel like I'm falling short of what I normally do. It, it's Just the energy of walking around a class and you know, get out the markers, get out the paper. There's just so many physical things that I we can't do this year. I'm obviously trying to replace it with all these online tools, but it's just fun to walk around and chat with people. And um, we do a little bit of that with breakout rooms. And you know, I hate complaining, you know, because there really is so much you can do with online. It really is an exciting year for, for different reasons but um, anyway this is just sort of broadly about sort of becoming the, the teacher that we always saw ourselves becoming. I know when I was a kid I had this kind of vision of myself uh, as a teacher and sort of this <laughs> kind of bizarre academic fantasy I guess you want to call it of just really inspiring people and talking passionately about literature um, so that's what I'm. That's kind of the topic this week. Um, and when I think about when you think about it, even before you become a teacher, <laughs> right? Depending on your state, of course. But before you become a teacher, you have to check what feels like a hundred boxes, right? In college, you need to fulfill the requirements of your major. And in my case, I know I had to. It was required that I had a minor. So sometimes you have to do the major and the minor. Then you take the required courses in education. I can't even remember how many credits that is, right? But you have to take all of those credits. Usually, I think it feel like it's usually a semester's worth, about five classes. Uh, complete a semester of student teaching. So that's a whole that's a whole semester. And a lot of places are now saying no, you can't take classes while you student teach. They just want you to put all of your energy into student teaching, and that's without pay. And then in some states, I think New York. Um, some states require you to get a master's degree. So you have to do all of that, which is way more than just, hey, go to college and get a major. It's like you got to also take all these courses in education. You also have to take your semester in student teaching. And then you also have to do two years for a master's degree. And I'm not even saying I disagree with any of that because I think it's all necessary to become a great teacher and just enter the classroom ready. But um, it's a lot. Um, when I think about all the teachers in my life, and I tried to like figure out a way to count them all. Obviously, everybody's experience is different, but if you say you have thirty-five teachers, and that's a minimum uh, in your whole lifetime, how many of those teachers really stand out? So when I say super teachers, I mean like really, really excellent, where that you have a super vivid memory of them in your head. Um, maybe a handful of, of Maybe a handful made a serious mark on you and changed the trajectory of your life. I remember, or it could be like my mother. My mother, I remember, said that she loved all of her teachers, and she was amazed by all of them. So maybe you were that kind of student. I remember, um, sorry, it could be a, a small comment that your teacher made that made you remember them, or it could be their personality. But we remember them, and we take them with us wherever we go in life. So when you think about the incredible demands of teaching, there's basically three major things. That's what I'm going to cover. Um, and These are the things I try to keep in the back of my mind on a daily basis, really. Uh, so the first one is to have a deep understanding and comment, uh, command of the content. When I think of the complexity of the conversations that happen on a daily basis around my department office, I'm blown away. We regularly talk about the canon and what makes literature, literature. We wrestle with what voices in our, are in our curriculum and what voices are missing. We talk notes, uh, sorry, novels, poetry, essays, politics, philosophy, art, podcasts, movies, anything that involves language. To teach literature, one must know the power of letters, sounds, words, phrases, sentences, paragraphs, and chapters. One must see how all these parts of language connect and extend an idea, emotion, or reality. It's not easy to unite old stories with the present moment. Just as a science teacher speaks about vaccines, or a geometry t- teacher speaks about bridges, an English teacher speaks about the language and culture of their current time and place. The language of hope, love, conflict, family, imagination, and philosophy. And at the, second, the second thing is an incredible ability to inspire love of... The content and hard work so that's (laughs) if you're a teacher listening to this you know number two like the content is the content that's why we got into the work right we love literature and we're we're blown away by it whatever form it takes um but number two that's the that's the challenging thing is to to inspire teenagers to to not only also love literature because that's not that hard um that can be easy in a lot of cases, as we all know. But to, to actually work hard and meet deadlines and that sort of stuff, that you, that's, that's a life skill. And obviously all teachers are teaching that life skill about meeting deadlines and you know, getting things done. Um, but that's, that is a big part of it. Too. And th- that's an important skill, obviously, you want them to have going out into the world is to be a hard worker. So a teacher must not only understand what they teach, the material of the text itself, the major characters, the minor characters, the details of the plot, and essential moments of dialogue, the incredible amount of symbolic details that establish a setting and an atmosphere, but they also must know how that text has a spirit, a life of its own, that extends beyond the year of its creation, beyond the writer and the place, the town, the region, and the country. That literature allows readers strangers to the writer who, long after the writer is gone, can enter the consciousness of all the characters they create. By reading and studying literature, students can immerse themselves both in one moment and place in time, and in any moment and place in time. Teachers must be able somehow to express the beauty and magnificence of literature, to perform the emotion of the language out loud, and to ask the most thought-provoking questions to spark conversation. Inspiring children to get interested, stay focused, and work work hard takes a little bit of kindness, fun, and flexibility, and a little bit of rigor, expectation, and diligence. A teacher knows how to balance passion and professionalism, fun, and excellence. The rhythm and energy of a classroom can inspire a child to have the willingness and confidence to succeed. (laughs) That's... That is. This is all very easily said, and and not not as easy to do uh, on a daily basis. Um, but that is a key. That is key part of it. Number two, inspiring uh, a love of of literature and and hard work. Number three is authenticity and whatever it whatever it is that makes us human. A child remembers their teacher for many reasons, but when you think about it, it's mostly for their ability to care, to be kind, courteous gentle, considerate, funny, silly, witty, and passionate. We must be professional and fair with our deadlines and expectations for performance, but also willing to do whatever it takes to inspire a teenager to be earnest and focused. A child should be excited to do the work we assign, not fearful of punishment, bad grades. All the teachers I remember were amazing storytellers and able to talk about anything and everything. They made sense out of a senseless world. Children turn to their teachers when they need to understand seemingly unexplainable human behavior. Teachers have to not only get the big picture, but also be able to explain the big picture with anecdotes and evidence. Children look to us for a path forward when there doesn't seem to be one. If we want our students to be compassionate, they need to read read literature that guides them on that journey. But they also need to know adults that live out those words in real life there are some stories that we will never forget stories help create the world that we want to exist but real people real conversations real relationships that's what matters the most so (laughs) I feel like I struggle the most with number one uh, when I teach a novel for the first time or of course when you're you're first year teacher second year teacher uh, Jumping into those novels, it can be fun, you know. And, and sometimes I wish I, I could teach some of the novels I've been teaching for 10, 15 years, <laughs> um, or I could just kind of forget them before I teach them because it's a little bit more exciting when you don't know them. So you're on the sort of on the journey with your students a little bit, even though it's it's <laughs> that can't that's not always that fun. But um, that's obviously. You know, just not knowing the content and getting really familiar with all the different parts of the novel and what parts you want to teach, what parts you're going to focus on, what activities work, all that stuff. But yeah, that, I mean, that brings really the number, to activity part is really number two. Um, that's what I struggle with really every day. I think probably every teacher struggles with it every day. Nobody's a perfect teacher, right? I mean, that's not the point of this. Um, it's, it's never easy to keep, and this is the challenge, right? Not just a handful of children. But every single child in your classroom engaged and on task, and in, and and more importantly, in love with literature and completely immersed in the lives of the characters and the world of the story. So that those two different things, right? Um, because some kids are some kids are just there because they want the grade. They want to, you know. And it's not even about the grade. They just want to work hard. They're there to work hard no matter what class they're in. Sometimes they're interested in the, in the content, and sometimes they're not, and that's great when they just show up and they're just ready to go. They're ready to do the work. They want to be a great writer. You know, maybe they're not that interested in literature because it's just not their thing. They're more of a science person. That's cool. Um, but that's this the the second piece is is the immersion part. Um, to to really to become a part of that fictional world is it's it's so important, and that's I think the the our biggest challenge because if we want that to happen, we really need to read passages out loud and read them dramatically with the emotion of the character um, with the tone in mind Uh, you know so that they can really listen and understand the struggle or the fear or whatever it is that the character is going through we really want to bring that out and bring it alive and when you when you read a a novel and read it silently it doesn't have the same power uh, when from when you just when especially an experienced reader uh, reads it out loud, because I've had my students read passages out loud, and some of them are really good, and I'm like blown away by how how, how well they can read, like with the emotion of the piece in mind, um, but it's rare, right? You don't always get that, that student that's able to to really be f- f- truly fluent. That word is, you know, uh, something that I think that we should be working on in, with children earlier than than high school, but Fluent means I not only understand what I'm reading and I can comprehend the ideas of what I'm reading, but I can also understand the emotion and and what's behind them, the meaning of it, and I know how to to read it in the way that it's meant to be read, like we would the way we would speak in conversation. Um, and but also when we teach, we need to be lively and walking around, and you know, um, be able to 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 pause and and be loud when we need to be loud and be quiet when we need to be quiet, you know, and and. Give people time to think when we need to think. You know all those kinds of tricks. Like not that's number two. It really, it's really about the art of teaching. That it's there's just so many different things to consider uh, when you want to do those two things. Um, Number three, (laughs) it you know what I'm saying is be be yourself. And number three, it's like hey, just be a human being. Be nice. Be kind. Considerate. Right. All those things I mentioned. Um, so in theory, that would be the easiest. It's like, Hey, go up there and be yourself. But, but honestly, I think when you're, especially in the first few years of teaching, again, you're just getting to know the material. You're getting to know, again, those two things, you're getting to know the material and how to teach it. They're t- like, those two things are very hard to, to, uh, get a hold of and, and master kind of, um. So, so, I think it took years for me to really <laughs> this was gonna sound crazy It took me years for me to to learn how to teach and be comfortable and confident enough with the material um and then only then did I truly relax and learn how to be myself um, you know I found these th- three things happen in stages really right you get to know the content first, then you figure out the activities um and then you learn how to be yourself and be and be you know, somebody that the, the, the kids can relate to, somebody can crack a joke when they need to, uh, somebody can digress and go off into a story about, you know, what happened to you over the weekend or something somebody said to you and just be that storytelling teacher that we all, again, that we all loved. Um, but we can only do that when we're comfortable with, with the material. Um, all this makes, makes you really realize that the incredible art of teaching and the amount of intellectual and emotional energy that goes into the job.